0: Welcome to the Real Life Roundtable podcast, conversations about culture, Christianity, church, and community, and where all those intersect as we explore real life with one another. The Real Life Roundtable is a production of Real Life Community Church in Portage, Indiana. For more information, follow us at RLCC Life on Facebook or visit reallifecc.org. Hey, Rich Doring here. Thanks for joining us for the Real Life Roundtable podcast here with Ben Chattel and uh, here with Damaris Kellogg. And uh, Damaris is the field coordinator for the North Central, the North Central field uh, for Compassionate Ministries uh, through the Church of the Nazarene, and uh, we're thrilled to have her with us. We've asked Damaris uh, specifically to join us because we have a partnership in Guatemala, which is where that field is. And Donna Reese has been central to uh, helping us not just establish that partnership, but watch that partnership kind of thrive between our church here in Portage Indiana and a church in Palmarcito, Marcito, uh, Guatemala, but uh Donna Reese, we're just going to jump right in. You have been spending some time, actually stateside. So uh, you have a couple of kids that are in college. Now you've been on a deputation tour. Give us like a snapshot of the last two months
1: okay well thank you for inviting me it's a pleasure to be with you guys and share what god's doing through this partnership it's amazing um to watch what's going on but yes we um went to a few different states for our deputation or home assignment and we were to able to share what god's doing here through his church and uh, but also we got to bring kristen with us to uh, her into college. She is attending uh, Mid-America Nazarene University now, and uh, she's uh, studying youth and family ministry. So we are blessed to have her there. And then Heather, she is in Northwest Nazarene University. She's a senior, I can't believe she is Mm. almost done, but she's doing marketing and graphic design. And uh, yeah, they're both doing well. And uh, God was with us throughout our journey visiting churches we visited some amazing uh people in churches where we were blessed we were loved well and um you know it's it's important to to know for us missionaries down here that we have the support of the churches Mm -hmm. that uh, have sent us um to minister so yeah it was it was a whirlwind but uh well worth it um we are we came home then we sp- uh spent one night here at our house then we flew to panama the following day for another conference or with our region and um we got back two nights ago and we live back um we go back to ohio mount vernon ohio on friday uh, to another conference with nmi presidents um, in the us and canada side so yeah that's that's the last two months.
2: He's getting all those frequent flyer miles. That's yeah, what I want to know. I know. <laughs> yes, you're, you're world famous. We're I, I feel to. pretty excited that
0: uh, that we know you, Don Marie. So I mean, you're flying oh. all over the world doing all this cool stuff. So we'll get your autograph at some point. Oh but... boy!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Roger, how's Roger doing?
1: He's doing well. He good. was eager to get home and yeah. see his guys and get to back to work or back to the, you know, the churches as well. Sure. He can't sit still, but um, it was, it's a, it was a good time away. You know, um, we were able to rest a little bit and, but yeah, he was ready to, to be back.
0: Yeah, you're listening, Don Maurice's husband, Roger is the work and witness coordinator uh, down in Guatemala. And, also there in, in Honduras, correct?
1: Honduras, El Salvador, El Salvador and Guatemala. Right in Guatemala. El Salvador,
0: in Guatemala, yep. Mm-hmm. And so he coordinates all the work and witness projects that uh, teams go down and do all kinds of different things in that area. So
2: They have an epic little workshop there right by the seminary that we got to tour. That was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that was cool. They get to pre-build all of the stuff before they send it out on their work and witness projects. They got a pretty cool setup. Obviously, the current event right now is the hurricanes down there. Um, how have you seen that affect? Well, obviously it's affected your travel, but how has it affected um, your region down there? And what are the, what are the ways that Nazarene Compassionate Ministries is already stepping in and, and bringing aid on state side, but then also down in Guatemala?
1: Yes. um, Well, it came in as a hurricane category one through Nicaragua, in which it was a big destruction over there. Uh, I was sharing with someone the other day, I said, you know, for us, a category one or two is the equivalent of a three or four categories because our infrastructure of the churches or housing, you know, it's, it's hard to withstand any winds, um, mm. nonetheless, a hurricane. So I always say, well, a hurricane one for us. It's 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 a big deal, yeah. you know, because things go flying pretty quick. But uh, as it entered our field, it came as a as a storm, bringing a lot of water, and that's what um, I think that where the damage came, uh, mostly because we already were saturated with water. Uh, We have had a very heavy rainy season, so all the terrain was already saturated. Mudslides and sinkholes were already happening throughout. And so with this other one, it it kind of brought more. Um, The first uh, district where I uh, began receiving information was the Atlantic District. And um, they, um, as i was flying in uh, from panama i contacted our uh superintendent over there and he already told me that that they had already evacuated like 18 uh elderly from the um nursing home into mm-hmm. the, one of their churches and so they have right now three churches open for as uh, uh, shelters in in that district then um our other verapaz del norte district they already um Mobilized their um, disaster response team they are very well equipped and i am so thankful to see the churches um coming you know so quickly to meet the needs of those that have been devastated we had pastors that didn't sleep all night uh, on sunday night because they had been evacuating people wow. um, so far we have had 12 people um that passed away oh. and it's like four hundred and thirty-six thousand people that have been affected. Um, in one of our districts in Verapaz Oriental, there was a mudslide where um, two families were affected and uh, four people passed away in the mm. in the mudslide. And so, very um, heart ranging situations.
0: Um, now, are those are those districts all located in Nicaragua?
1: No, these are here in Guatemala. Oh, yeah. Yes, I don't have any details of Nicaragua, but this is all happening here in Guatemala. Just in Guatemala, Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, um, we called um, a meeting, an emergency meeting yesterday morning just to recoup, you know, and kind of move forward with our plan. Um, And um, we had people from different ministries, you know, and we were talking about how important that when we go and respond like, respond like that, that we include all our ministries because we like to respond, you know, in a holistic way, uh-huh. meeting the physical needs. But there is also, you know, the emotional and the spiritual needs of the people. So we like to see the entire church and all the ministries participating in this. And and yes, today there's um, uh, throughout the churches in Guatemala City, they're collecting uh, food and clothing, you know, so that they can bring to those people in the shelters.
0: Cool. And people can go to NCM.org, Nazarene Compassion Ministries.org, and find all kinds of information about how how to respond, um, the details about what's going on in those areas, and, and different things like that, correct?
1: Correct. There is a project in NCM.org. Uh, it's called Thickest um, Storms 2022. Just okay. uh, a region, um, it's one that, I mean, we have gone through hurricanes. I mean, Ian came and affected Cuba and, you know, we have a lot of storms that come through our region. And so there is a project in there. So if people are moved to give, um, that will be a good project to give towards the relief of all this um, natural disasters response.
2: And that's, that's really something that I greatly appreciate about being a part of the church that we're a part of is that we do have... Global connections with the church so that way, when something like this is to happen, we can immediately connect and we can immediately come together, whether it be financial or whether it be even physical presence. Just we know that we have a presence in all of these areas and in these regions and in these districts, so that way we don't have to figure out who to go to to make an impact. We just know that the Nazarene Church, the Church of Nazarene, is making an impact so we can jump in and make making an immediate difference because you're there, you're there right now in the midst of the recovery. And we're talking to you on the other side of the globe, but we're able to communicate ways that we can immediately make an impact in the ministry that you're doing there with your teams. And that's just, it's a blessing because we get to actually see the kingdom of God respond rather than hope that somebody does something. We know people are doing it. What are some of the differences, um, because you mentioned, how how different the category one storm is because of the infrastructure. How do you see churches and church leaders respond differently in in Guatemala versus maybe here? Like, do you do you sense that there's a difference in how the church responds to things?
1: Actually, you know, I was in Florida for Hurricane Ian. Mm-hmm. We were maybe two days ahead of it as okay. our as our route, you know, begin up the west north a little bit you know we saw the hurricane coming but our agenda you know just brought us down to the south and i'm serious we were like a day or two behind uh, or mm. ahead of this you wow. know in our, in our route and uh and we were um uh, ser- uh, preaching in one of the services and all of the funds went off you know alerting of uh tornado in the area. And I paused and I looked at everybody and they're like, oh, just go on. We're safe. We're in a safe (laughs) building, you know. So, you know, we continued on. But as far as the response, um, I don't I don't see any difference. I saw the DS's and the DS and the churches alerting people, you know, giving the information out there, opening their uh, homes for people that needed a place to to spend the night or you know to pass the storm through um i think the the church was mobilized in florida just as it was here um awesome. yes our our uh our housing our you know the buildings are are different, but I think the heart of the people are the same. And I think it's because we, we all worship the same God. And that's the beauty of it.
2: Sure. Yeah. We're one church. Sure. That's awesome.
1: You yes. know,
0: sh- shifting gears just a little bit. We're glad, First of all, we're glad you're safe. Glad you were able Thank to you. get back home and all that stuff. But, um, so I'm wanted to well, I'm, I'm, I'm content being a pastor. I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Uh, there are moments though, where I think, wow, you know, if, if, Back 25, 30 years ago, if I would have given a choice and knew my options and it would have been up to me, I would have been like, man, Nazarene Compassion Ministry sounds like a pretty good deal. I, I <laughs> What you guys do um, is just you guys are on the front lines of just so many things and um, you're able just to be in the mix of just getting down and dirty and helping people. And, um, and I, I know that's fulfilling for you. But what are what are some things that you would want people to know about Nazarene Compassion Ministries, and maybe even things that you think, wow, I bet people don't know this about what Nazarene Compassion Ministries does, uh, about what drives it, and different things like that. So, can you share just a little bit, like what does Nazarene Compassion Ministries do, and what are some things that you wonder if people maybe aren't aware of?
1: Right. Well, I think you know, as our church, uh, like Ben was talking about, the um, the organization itself, we are um, we include the needs of the people. I know that salvation and bringing people, you know, mm-hmm. to Christ and reconciling to people, as our goal. But I think compassionate ministries uh, comes alongside the local church to meet the needs of the. Their members and those in the community, their children, the people, and, um, uh, all that, you know, to advance the kingdom of God and the mission of the church. Um, I think is uh, uh, compassionate ministries, uh, is the, it's an arm of the church, you know, to, sure. to help me meet, uh, meet the p- the needs of the people. And, um, as I, you know, we were sharing throughout our home assignment, you know, I talked about, you know, if we, if we go back to on, on the Bible and look at Jesus responding to the needs of the people, you know, yes, he, uh, gave salvation to many, you know, for their sins and stuff, but he did not forsake the needs of the people as well. And so, um, I think that's what compassionate ministry. Is out, you not know, forsaking the needs of the people, while we're sharing the love of Christ—that He is still a good God in the midst of the pain, in the midst of chaos, that He's sovereign and that He is He loves us, you know, and all that, and for people to feel, you know, and when they're in distress, to 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 be cared for, you know, um, and for us to just say, you know, God has not forgotten you. God is, Mm. is present in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your situation. You know, that's what we want to, we want people to know that because we're in a falling world and he, he warned us, you know, in the world, you will have trouble, you know, but, um, but he has overcome, overcome it, you know, don't lose Mm -hmm. heart. He has overcome all this. And so, you know, for us to just show with our actions that God cares, I think that's huge in our in the communities. Um, for the glory of God, last night or this morning actually, when I began to report to my uh our leaders, um I one of the f- things that I saw on the news and it it filled my heart with with happiness, but then with Thanksgiving, you know, for the church, because and one of the first news that came out was um the people that were being evacuating. Um and being taken to the Church of the Nazarene
2: mm. in
1: Champona, Puerto Barrios. I mean, that's, that's what the church does, yeah. you know? And so, like I said, to that, God's glory. Um, it, was, it was great to see that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, I know that child sponsorship is a huge part of Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and that kind of ties into... Well, let's, let's just brag a little bit about our friends in Paul Marcito. So uh, we have this partnership with the church in Palm Marcito with Pastor Nestor and his family and their congregation. And um, tell us, you know, and, and if you can just kind of tie child sponsorship into this as well. Uh, tell us, first of all, about this partnership. Tell us why it's important. And then maybe what what do you see happening in Paul Marcito that is unique and, and definitely part of that compassion vein that not just... Shares the gospel, but lives the gospel out as well.
1: Right. Um, well, when I think of the church in Palmarcito, um, I think of loving the community because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's how they got started, you know, um, a lot with, with child sponsorship. Um, and I think with the partnership, it has given an opportunity for both churches, your, your church and mm-hmm. Palmarcito Church, to join in in the mission together. And that mission being, you know, of bring, bringing Christ to the community. Um, it's an opportunity that uh, where you both encourage each other and grow together. It's an opportunity for your church to see the opportunities for service. Mm-hmm. Um, and Palmarcido also to learn, you know, from, from the different things that your church is doing, you know, like the the gardens that you guys have, you mm-hmm. know it's I think it's so important uh that there is something that both sides give uh and we're not talking numbers we're not talking
2: right.
1: numerical you know amounts we're sure, sure. we talking about um knowledge um learning from each other, blessing each other um and uh we, we can both testify of the, the work that God's doing in your church, in your community, mm-hmm. through you, and also through to Palmarcito. I was just sharing earlier um, that uh, I have been able to share with Pastor Nestor, and he was so excited to share about his activities through uh, um during their anniversary, mm-hmm. you know anybody 40, that 41 have a,
0: years, right? It's 41 years. I
1: believe so. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Not
0: yeah. everybody celebrates a 41 year anniversary, right. But That's Paul Marcito, so. <laughs> Yes,
1: that's them. Uh, but he was so excited to share, know about the the party that they were going to have mm-hmm. in their church. You know, many, will, you know, will invest a lot. You know, in a party for, with the members, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Sure. But when you see that a lot of the resources go or went um, to the community to those people from the
0: the women uh, shelter dump and, and the, you the know they've gone to a women yeah, shelter as well
1: yeah exactly and you know you're like okay your heart's in the right place yeah you know yeah. Um, bringing Christ to those in in your community so mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's
2: it seems like every conversation we have always falls back to this idea of proximity. But until you have relationships with people, like the church in Palmarcito, it can be easy to be a little bit jaded about, okay, well, is, is my money going to actually make an impact? Or even like child sponsorship, where, where is that money really going? What is that money really doing? When you actually are there and you see it is Changing lives and it is changing generations of lives. And you see the families that have sponsorship and the families that don't. But then you also see the church being responsible I would even say, often more responsible with the resources that they're given than the resources that we have here. Because, like you said, they are missional people, they are selfless people, making sure that those resources are making a difference.
1: Right. You know, being on this side of the, of the child sponsorship, you know, where, um, I get to see where those dollars go to. Um, they, they, they have a plan every month, what they're going to spend Mm -hmm. the money on. And it's not the same thing, you know, yes, they, they get, you know, a plate of half food and this and that, but there's also other needs that are covered, you know, with child sponsorship. And, um, but also the door that child sponsorship opens up in the community with the parents of these children. Mm-hmm. and so that's another ministry in itself you know is yeah the children uh, we're trying to take care of them in a holistic way but that also includes their families and a lot of the families from Palmarcito they are there because of child sponsorship.
2: right and even education things like that i mean if you you talked about it earlier in this conversation about how the gospel is more than salvation prayers if you get a child to come into a church in one of those communities and they do put their faith and trust in Jesus that is phenomenal that's amazing praise god at the same time that child is still a 6 or 7 or 8 year old child that needs to have a future they have a long life ahead of them. And that life could be a life of continued struggle or that life could be being blessed by God through the church, depending whether or not they're sponsored. So it's just thinking of somebody's life, especially a child in a holistic way that.
1: You know, I see two beautiful things out of this. The one thing uh, I see the ones that have graduated out of the program and because they know that they have been helped with the financial part for their education. And now you go see accountants, you see teachers graduated out of the program. And they're they're giving back to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they um they are they continue on the program, not receiving but giving, you know. Right. Um and also the other thing that I was thinking was Um, these children grow up in the church, uh, learning about God and yes, their problems will, they're not going to go away. And that was the other thing I was thinking, you know, is that, um, because they don't have much, they, they really depend on God for their day-to-day needs. Mm -hmm. You know, that God is our supplier, that God is, is there in time of need and, Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, because he has other purposes, but then they become stronger Christians, you know, in their older years and adults, you know, that when they, you see them go through different situations. And that's what I have seen in the church here, you know, their strong love and dependence, dependency on God, um, because that's, you know, that's all you have. It's, it's God you know to to supply be your supplier um physically and emotionally needs um and so i i think that the church is um in the midst of all the needs they're very strong spiritually because of their dependency on god
0: yeah yeah and there's a lot for us to learn from that you know here in in the united states you know um Rewinding the tape, going back, I, the very first time I met Pastor Nestor and met those uh, the people at Paul it was March of 2015. And um, looking to establish a partnership, you know, probably not really realizing everything I was going to get myself or anybody else into. Um, but I remember the conversation that we had with Nestor before uh, we left, and it was basically summarized as, "Hey, man, if if this works or if it doesn't work." it's okay god knows exactly what we need and we're trusting him and i thought okay that's the kind of a person i feel like i want to work with is is somebody who cuz it, cuz it teaches me it stretches me it makes me realize um how rich during dependent i am sometimes and not god-dependent on mm-hmm. some of the basic things and when you're in palmer Cito and when you're in people's homes and when you're seeing what they have to work with and what they don't have to work with um you just begin to rec- recognize first of all what you take for granted all the time. But at the second time too, they're so full with joy and peace Mm -hmm. at where they're at and what they're doing. And they're so convictional about what they're doing. Um, that's, that's, I think where we benefit from the partnership, maybe more than anything is, is seeing people who, um, are exercising some faith muscles in ways that I think we've tried to avoid figuring out how to flex Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how to stretch by our own activity and our own pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps kind of a thing. And so um it's just a just a great thing. I tell you what, would you would you be willing to kind of share with us your story just a little bit about how you ended up being the Nazarene Compassion Ministries coordinator mm-hmm. down there. Uh I know that you spent quite a bit of time living in Idaho. Um and your husband Roger is not Guatemalan. Uh and uh just kind of share with us just a little bit of your journey so we know you a little bit better.
1: Okay. Well, um, I grew up in a pastor's home. I'm a PK uh, here in Guatemala. And uh, uh, besides God, you know, being in our hearts, uh, my dad was always meeting the people's needs. I never, I don't remember a a day that he was not involved in someone's life. Mm. And uh, I was too young to, to have the Pictures in my mind, in my head, about the earthquake in nineteen seventy six. Mm. But um, they always talk about, you know, how he would go with his little tiny Subaru car into the villages to get people out when was, after the was earthquake. Was this around? Happened.
0: Was this around Antigua? It was it around
1: was, uh, the the Antigua area, Suchitepecas Su- Su- area. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, there was uh and so he would just go out you know and bring people in um the church that he was pastoring we we set up a big tent to to take people in and everyone cooked i mean you know and so throughout my growing up years i i learned compassionate ministries without knowing i was doing compassionate ministries sure. that was just the a lifestyle that he had um, i attended Hope Sound bible college in florida um then later uh roger and i got married he's from idaho um i had a call for missions when i was 12 in one of the revival services here in guatemala but it was interesting because i thought why would i want to be a missionary missionaries come to us Mm -hmm. you know that's it just didn't make sense to me Mm -hmm. but i continue on um i hope sound i was involved in the missions department and um uh then you know we got married and i uh i moved to to live in idaho um then when we began our our young our family uh i wanted to to have a church that we would be involved with with our children we were attending a church that was like 40 minutes away from us and I thought with little children that's not going to work yeah. so um we were attending a methodist church um but then, just outside of our subdivision, there was a Nazarene church. And so I said, "I want to try that." And um, Heather was a year old, and so we went there to Nazarene church, And we have a lot of relatives that are part of the Nazarene church as well. so the Nazarene sure. church has been, you know in our background. Um, and we went we went in there, and we were just gonna go try it out, but that's all we needed. You know they sucked us in, they loved mm. on us and and we stayed there, you know, uh we became members of Church of Nazarene. Um then I served as the NMI president for the church in I don't know 19 years. So mm. I was always doing working witness trips with our associate pastor. Um and and serving, you know, different ways in the church. Um, as the girls grew up, um they were always with me they were they were always doing yeah. something so they they grew up doing stuff with mom you know in the church or you know. so now then um uh our our call here to guatemala roger was um involved with the global tech team um where they would go to different Nazarene universities um to help with their internet wi-fi you know all that technical stuff and so he would go and um travel with them and um uh but i think the first trip was the one the trips that kind of got us into missions without knowing god's you know molding us through it um we went to ecuador Mm. well how we got started i'm gonna try to tell it fast but um (laughs) i we had some people that said tamaris needs to go to ecuador with you and i'm like well i'm not technical i have no idea about computers or anything but he said god told me to, you need to go and here's 500 for you to go mm. so then you know you're committed then so we <laughs> raised the funds and i went and i think the reason i went is because um for me to see what god was doing in roger's life he had had some rough times and missions and that's a different story but um but he, you know, God was drawing him back to missions again, and I was able to, to see that. Um, then after that, we uh, we did different uh, trips, but then we ended, all, ended up in Guatemala working the same project here at the seminary. And at the end of the trip, he said, you know, um, the project is done, but it, I don't feel like I'm done here. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's about, but I don't feel like I'm done. Well, we packed up our stuff and we went home. Um, and a month later, we were being invited to come as um, working witness coordinators. So we said, well, God, if this is what you want us to go, we'll say yes, but you have to remove a lot of mountains, you know, that will prevent us from it. And he did one by one, he worked everything out. We were moving here November 3rd of 2016. We worked uh, with uh, working witness. I, I helped him, you know, the first year. The second year, uh, the Compassion Ministries, Dr. Elmer retired, and and then uh, Pastor Lionel uh, assigned me as the Compassion Ministries coordinator, and uh, here I am. And I said, well, you know, I I'd love to do that. One of the things that worries me is that I don't feel that we're prepared as a field for any disasters and, you know, I have just been here for a year, being, and I am I am here, but I just have that sense of okay, we have to be ready or something, right, you know, if right. something happens. Two weeks later, the eruption of volcano de Fuego happened,
0: and mm-hmm. so
1: we learned as as we go, you know. But uh,
0: you feel like more prepared but, now than you were before.
1: We are more prepared. Uh, I think uh, we have more um, we have prepared and trained the districts. And and so that's, I, you know, like I said, for me to wake up with the news, the Church of Nazarene was receiving people in their church. Right. I mean, that's. That's huge. That's huge. You know, and uh, the other district, they have a disaster response team. Mm. And I join in one of their meetings or I'm part of their chat group and to see them being organized, how to respond. And it's, it's, it's to God be the glory. Yeah. That, you know.
2: So what a testament to Roger's faithfulness. I mean, he, <laughs> he was the one that told you, Hey, I think we're not done here. Let's move to Guatemala. Like th- those are your stomping grounds. So you probably were much yeah. more like, well, yeah, I can adjust. But for Roger to be like, you know, I live in Idaho. God's telling me to live in Guatemala. I mean, that's, that's right. big. So the, the life adjustments that he had to make in order to make that work. That's, that's how
0: old were the girls then?
1: Kristen was 12 and Heather was 15. How was that for them? People were telling us, you guys are crazy. Mm. Uh, You have everything you need here. The girls have everything here. Damaris, you know what it's like to be over there. You're going to regret it, you know, going back. And, but, you know, God's put such a sense of love back for Guatemala and me. I was yeah. like, you no. Know, every time I saw a picture of a volcano or whatever it was, I was just like, oh, oh, you know. But um, for for the girls, uh, we prayed that God would put the same uh, call in their lives. Uh, sure. Yes, it was. It was um, when we told them, uh, they cried, they laughed, You know, they mm-hmm. were crying the the grieving part of leaving their friends behind, sure. um, and then moving here. Um, we had the they were part of the Christian Academy of Guatemala, which has been a big help, you know, for missionaries here because um, while we're doing ministry, they're helping us with the education. And it's very, you know, they the teachers are missionaries as well coming to teach the kids. Right. So um, uh, Heather struggled a little more just because she was almost, you know, done with high school. Um, but um, but she adapted uh, after you know during those three years Kristen, she is uh she loves she um being here uh she just came for a quick trip on her fall um mm,
2: she did you know good.
1: she did yeah. and she and um when we took her to the airport yesterday she goes, i don't want to leave and oh. anyways but but you know i we have placed him in god's hand um and they also said if we have not come here, we will not know what we know about poverty, mm-hmm. about life. And Heather is uh working part-time with the because international is the shoe that grows. Oh, yeah. she's always wanted to work with them because she knows, you know, the impact that those shoes have mm-hmm. throughout the world. And so she's working there and she loves it. And so
0: Wow, yeah. that's
2: awesome. That's thank you for sharing all of that, including the details about the fact that people were kind of trying to influence you not to go. And now on the other side of that, not only are you and your family beneficiaries of your faithfulness, but we're beneficiaries of your faithfulness and the people of Palmarcito and the people of Guatemala, like to see years down the road, people's jump of faith, their leap of faith, reap so much benefit for the kingdom of God, but then also reap so much joy, in your life and in your daughter's lives that would have been missed if we would have listened to those whispers of doubt like you have everything that you need here but you don't have everything that god wants you to have right and that's what we're that's what's supposed to compel us into action so that's thank you thank you for sharing that
0: yep yeah. yep was there anything as we kind of draw this to a close that you would want people to know Domarice? um your favorite color your favorite food <laughs>
2: <laughs> i have no, one more serious question but oh, yeah okay. go ahead with that oh all no, right go ahead so then, then. our desire in these conversations with people is ultimately to learn from people who are in different environments who have different life experiences who have differences in culture and upbringing what can we in the united states but even more specifically here in portage indiana what can we learn from the church in Guatemala and in that region what can we what can we glean from their faithfulness from the way that they do ministry that we can apply as ministers but even just as community members like what are some benefits because i know that we've experienced those benefits but from somebody who's lived down there year after year and who's been in both worlds multiple times even right. now this last year you've been traveling back and forth what should we know and what should we implement From the people of Guatemala and the church, and how can we be one with the church down there in spirit?
1: Well, I think that uh, the opportunity to serve is everywhere we are. Um, Hmm. We lived. I lived in Idaho for 25 years before we moved here, and um, I worked with the migrant people. You know, uh, and uh, there is there is people that. That need to know about Christ. Um, the people here serve. And one of the things that um, when we had the hurricanes at Tainota a couple of years ago, we were in the midst, in the middle of COVID, you know, with a lot of people just lost their jobs. And but then the hurricanes came and literally like wiped out a mm-hmm. lot of homes. And yet the church, the people were out there sharing what little they have during that time putting it all together with everybody else's, you know, donations and going and helping those that had none, that had nothing. And so I just think that I just encourage everyone, you know, wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, be Christ light into your communities and your neighbor. We talk about going into the world and making disciples. but we don't need to go away until we have an opportunity to go overseas. There's people right next door to us, you know, here, there, um, and serve. You know, sometimes we think, oh no, it I don't have the resources. Oh, I don't have this. It serving is not always about giving, you know, finances or economic things. Serving is about loving, you know, maybe someone is, is sad about a lost loved one. Maybe, you know, just th- there's Somebody's different. Lonely there is different ways that we can uh, meet their needs Mm -hmm. um, and share Christ.
2: And it feels like it's, I don't know why that is, but it feels more intimidating sometimes to just reach out and see how you can meet the needs of your neighbors on your street than to participate in something like a working witness trip. And I think it's because there's just this element of I can go there and do this, serve, and then come back. I think it's just when you when you look at your whole life as a witness of Jesus, it challenges our own vulnerabilities. How do
1: you start?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: you know, and, and I, you know, when we were doing this home assignment, I, w- I was just, you know, sharing a little bit about the people, the 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 four men that brought the paralyzed men to Jesus. Hmm, yeah. They, I love that connection. I I always said they had a relationship. They had to have a relationship with that man to know that he needed to be healed, to bring him to Jesus. With our neighbors, I mean, we don't need to go first thing and say, how can I help you? How can I meet your needs? Just being a friend, just getting to know them and starting that relationship. And then the rest will develop. You know, so I encourage people to just start being friendly and getting to know. You know your neighbors, getting to know the lady. We had one, um, the man at the gas station here. We always go to the same gas station, and um, you know we always talk with him. And um, he knew eventually. He you know we, with us talking, he knew we were missionaries, and then he felt free um, to ask us, "Can we? Can I have a Bible?" You know, mm. we and we have no. I mean, this time he asked us for a Bible, but he will you know. We share with him that we were missionaries, Church of Nazarene, you know, and, and so he felt free to to say, Okay, I would like to have a Bible, you know. And so, but we would not have known if we don't establish a conversation with with the guy, you know. So yeah. it's just in the little things, and then you never know what God will take that relationship. It goes, to. it goes
0: back to what Ben was saying earlier about proximity and and it, you know, I think we make a lot of assumptions. You know, we, we assume we know what people's needs are, but then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, when you actually get to know somebody, sometimes you don't have to ask what their needs are. You find out what their needs are because they share them with you. But, and then you find out your assumptions kind of get blown out of the water because you, you know, you thought one thing, but by actually getting to know somebody, by being in proximity with somebody, you found out something completely different.
2: So here's our most important question. Um... (laughs) Who has the better food, Idaho or Guatemala?
1: Guatemala, by the oh ones. yeah, I mean I'll answer that question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, what, what, what are some of the things? What are the some of the things? The differences when it comes to like the fun things to do, and uh, you had to make life adjustments. Obviously, food adjustments you have to make, but like, what are what are some of the things that maybe you miss? Traffic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that. Holy cow!
0: Yeah, you will is, understand that very yeah. well. I love Guatemala, but. There's, yeah. there's parts of it. I'd be okay if I blacked out maybe for certain portions I, of it. Full I don't disclosure,
2: know. I don't even like driving in the city of Chicago. And that is like a cakewalk compared to yeah. driving in Guatemala. So I don't have to worry about motorcycles cutting me off on both sides. And
0: exactly. in front and behind and everywhere. Yeah. And on the sidewalk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting yeah. to sweat just thinking about it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic
0: is a big one. Traffic yeah. is a big one. So, yeah. well, and just ease of access, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you don't have to even think about here. Um, but in Guatemala, it's a different story.
1: Yeah, the food, uh, you know, we're blessed. We have fresh everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. fresh mm-hmm. vegetables, so fresh, you know, um, um, everything. Uh, I I really enjoy that. Uh, going through our home assignment this time, I was really lonesome for some fresh food, vegetables, oh, wow. fruits, and You know, I mean, the people were wonderful and they fed us amazingly, you know, but there is that caldo that you, that you Mm. drive, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that you long for. So, but I already had my fixed, so (laughs) I'm good. Is
2: Roger a big sports guy when he was stateside? Does he follow all the sports or is he kind of not into that?
1: Um, No, he's more of a tech guy. Uh, You know, we will get into the Super Bowls a little bit. But
2: no like diehard. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not like longing to watch baseball or anything like that. No, no,
0: no. <laughs> I feel bad. Roger's like this imaginary guy that I think you're <laughs> kind of tied to, Domery's. I mean we were spent week <laughs> I'm down sure in that you guys met him. <laughs> we still have not met him. I you know, I would just love to meet Roger, yeah. this this mythical Roger person at some point. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll make sure that you guys meet him. No, yeah,
2: I think we, we actually did talk to him once. He was like driving. I think you were like yeah, doing okay. a Zoom call on the road. And I think right. you were driving. He does exist.
0: He does. So, he does. No, good,
2: good. He's for real.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maurice, thank you so much. Um, and I, we are the beneficiaries of you. And you, um, you've you really helped us out. When, when Elmer Juarez is a great man, Um, was done and retired and you took over for him. That was a transition point for us as well. And um, you, you've really helped us out tremendously with Paul Marcito and um, you've made that transition really, really smooth and almost given as well, just kind of a fresh insight for what are some things that we can do to really ramp up that partnership and make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. So I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and, and the heart that you bring to this and the spirit and why you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, it speaks to me and speaks to my heart. Wow. So I Thank appreciate that.
2: It's ncm.org, correct? And then you can yes. go and you can mm-hmm. find did projects. I, did I, I say ncm.com earlier? No, you no, did.
0: No. Okay. Cause that ncm. would be like org. me to do that. So okay. <laughs> okay. <good.
2: laughs> so that's where you can go. Um, yeah, we've already explained child sponsorship. I mean, we could talk for mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours, but sure. you can make an immediate impact. For people who are mm-hmm. on the grounds and who are a part of the Church of Nazarene that are yes. not only making a physical difference, but they're making they're making a kingdom difference, they're making an eternal yeah. difference. So if you yep. feel the obligation to do something from wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this, ncm.org and you can make an impact for the kingdom of God. Yeah, so, you yep. can
1: donate there towards any project, uh, but also a child sponsorship. You can go on there and choose a child that God is placing in your heart
2: mm-hmm. to
1: sponsor. And yep. you can changed that kids' life and chapter in their lives. Huge.
2: Life. Yep. 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 Oh, cool. Thank you, Don Maurice. Thank you for your time. Thank I know you we want to be brief. Um, this will probably not be the only time that we have these conversations. But um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your insights, sharing your story. And we look forward to the next time we get to get together. Yep. That Thanks, Don Maurice.
1: Okay. God bless you guys. It's great to partner with you and your Ken. church.
2: For everyone else, uh, I think we're going to take a one week break, but in a couple weeks, we will start cranking out more of these interviews, talking about more topics. Um, Again, if you want to hear about something specific, if you'd like us to talk about a specific topic, make sure you reach out and let us know. Uh, We will talk to you soon.
0: The Real Life Roundtable is a production of Real Life Community Church in Portage, Indiana. For more information, follow us at RLCC Life on Facebook or visit reallifecc.org.